Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, Nerdorinos, to another exciting, intriguing, wonderful, amazing episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Today is episode 126, which will be a fun, probably argumentative discussion on Quentin Tarantino's latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, with me as always, my hetero life mate, Mysterious Mike Talent. Hey, what's up? Uh, I like that intro, man. I, I think it's good that you are uh, that we're gonna say the episode name now in the beginning. So at least I know which one we're on. I never know. Neither do I'm I. On, and I will I'm try honest, to remember. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. And uh, before we get into this uh, big discussion of the latest Quentin Tarantino movie, Matt, I'm gonna ask you, what are you drinking? Ah. <sighs> Well, Mike, I'm doing something special today. I guess kind of special. I've been talking about it for a while, but I went to the store. I should have got it from the, the brewery itself, but I, I didn't. I went to the store, my local Sprouts, which I never shop at because it's uh, way too rich for my blood, but I went anyways. I picked up a local beer by my favorite brewery locally right now. The Prescott Brewing Company. I got a hold of their Achocalypse Chocolate Porter. Achocalypse? Like like Apocalypse, but Achocalypse? Yep. A Nice. It's spelled A-C-H-O-C-O-L-Y-P-S-E. Cool. And it is canned. I was looking for bottles, but they don't I don't think they do bottles. I think they're just canned. And uh, what's interesting is the cans are just blanks, and they put stickers on them, you know, like all the way around the entire can. But oh, it's like a wrap, yeah, like a like a can wrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, that sounds like a a strong beer. Is that a strong beer? Let me look. There's a lot of writing on it. Mm, and it is brewed. It is brewed and canned locally. I don't know. I don't see it. There's a government warning. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's, you know, more than average. I don't, I don't see it, but, you know. I don't know if you've had it. I know you've been to Prescott Brewing Company with me a couple times, but I'm sure you probably got the IPAs. I am pretty positive that I got the IPAs. Uh, but that one sounds fun, and uh, I would definitely uh, drink that one for sure. I like a lot of beers, a lot of different flavors. Yeah, it's one of their staples. Um, they have, you know... Certain beers they have during certain times of the year. Sometimes they just do beers to do beers to try them out. Achocalypse and Liquid Amber are two of their staples. And one reason why it's in a can and I could pick it up at the store. So, But it's a it's a quality brew. I enjoy it. I like it. Uh, I think I like the Liquid Amber a little bit better. But I, I felt like something a little more hearty this go around. And how about this? How amazing would it be if they wanted to sponsor this segment? That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, that would be great. I uh, I would encourage that. That's what we need to do. We need to get like a little microbrewery to sponsor. What are you drinking? That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind drinking uh, microbrewery beers all the time. Well, it's not even so much 
you know, yes, we could drink their beers. So it could be like, you know, what are you drinking? Brought to you by the Prescott Brewing Company. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. Be fun. Anyways, all right, Mike, what IPA are you drinking today? Well, you know, you're right. It is another IPA. Uh, I'm drinking this one that had kind of a cool can. I bought this beer off of the look of the can. It's a Goose Island Next Coast IPA. And it is one of those juicy... uh, Let's see. Let me see how they described it. Mm, I thought it had a description on it. Oh, yes. uh, Tropical Juicy Hops. Oh, we're reading descriptions. I got a paragraph on the side of my can. <laughs> well, it was it, it it was simple. So anyway, but I'm pretty excited because, uh, you know, it's just about August and uh, it's about time for the pumpkin beers to come out. Pumpkin beer season. Yep, your favorite time of the year. Yeah, uh, it used to be more closer to fall, but uh, it just seems like it's getting earlier and earlier. So I expect to see them in the store next next month. Yeah, I remember it used to be September, October. You'd start seeing them like mid to late September. Yeah, and then they would be on the shelves till like, uh, you know, November, maybe a little bit of December. Now they're like, they're on the shelves in August, and then they're like out of the shelves by like October. You know what I need to do? I need to save you one of my favorite breweries ever, pumpkin beer. They do a pumpkin beer that not many people do. Yeah, what is it? Four Peaks does a pumpkin porter. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin porters are good. I've had uh, some different renditions. Yeah, but it's not a common, you know, pumpkin beer, a porter. No, you're right. It's not. It's not. That That's cool. Porters are, don't get a lot of love, so it's cool when there's like a, a treatment, uh, as they say in the biz, like uh, where they put something extra in, like a fruit or in this case a a gourd um um one of the favorite versions of uh, pumpkin beer that i like it's called good gourd by cigar city so nice anyway anyway well and your ipa is goose island right and goose island i mean come on you're not gonna get a bad beer from goose island they're a pretty good brewery yeah, yeah, they're out of Chicago. Um, they are owned by that company that we don't like to talk about anymore. But anyway, they still make some good beers, and uh, I just saw this in the store. It had a cool can, so I was like, I'm going to try that. Well, you want me to read the paragraph description of my Chocolips, or should we just move on? No, we should move on. I think this is going to be a long one. I know. I had a comment recently that we talk about beer way too much. I'm like, well, maybe we should just rename the podcast to Beer and Movies podcast beer and movie nerd podcast Nah, it doesn't ring it doesn't work yeah we'd have to come up with some kind of neat acronym but anyway okay let's let's go let's get into this matt all right mike let's do it quinn tarantino's 10th film technically according to him his ninth film go ahead give us the rundown on once upon a time in hollywood all right so this is written and directed by quentin tarantino it's uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Maya Hawke. Um, there's a bunch of people in here. Timothy Oliphant, Al Pacino, Dakota Fanning, Kurt Russell, uh, the late, great Luke Perry. I mean, the list goes on and on. 
uh, quite quite a long list of, of stars in this movie. And then uh, the synopsis is a a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. If I'm not mistaken, this is Luke Perry's last role. I don't know if he has anything else coming out. He might have another movie coming out because, you know, they film movies ahead of time, of course. Right, but I think uh, this is his last film. I I know he was real big on Riverdale. He was um, yes. the father of Archie in there. But I think this was like the last work he did. I don't know. I'm not 100%. I'd have to look it up. Anyways, all right, Mike. Well, um, to swing back and talk about the length of films from our last podcast, Mike, I know you did some research. I didn't ask, but I'm enjoying that you're doing research because it saves me a little bit of time. Go ahead. Tell us what a feature length film is. All right. So the definition of a feature league film is uh, it varies from group to group. So for the American Film Institute... And the Academy Awards, it is anything over 40 minutes. For the Sundance Festival, it is anything over 50 minutes. And for the Screen Actors Guild, it is anything over 80 minutes. Interesting. So, I think we probably should go with uh, the, what, Screen Actor Guild's probably the biggest out of all of them. Uh, yeah, I feel like that one, I don't know, I, I, I feel like if you're in the Screen Actors Guild, then I guess that would kind of require the movie to be 80 minutes, and uh, Chasing Chasing Molly happens to be 80 minutes, so I don't know if that's involved at all. Well, but also, I mean, you can be in the Screen Actors Guild and shoot something less than that, but then it's not a feature film, then it would be a short. Yes, yes. It just it, It's just interesting uh, that there was multiple definitions. I thought it would have been f- clearly lined out by now, you know? There's been, you know, quite a long time of, of films, and nope. Just a couple years. De- yeah, it just depends on the, depends on the agency, uh, uh, who's, who's categorizing what. Well, I definitely know for a fact, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is twice the length of Chasing Molly exactly, is definitely a feature-length film. Yes, yes, it is for sure a feature-length film. Which is one of my complaints. I mean, okay, let's just throw it out there right now, Mike. You and I are going to disagree a lot right now. I know we're going to. I love Quentin Tarantino. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. I wouldn't say, I don't know if he is my favorite, but he's definitely top three. Definitely probably my favorite modern director, but good God, man, this was a long film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it was a long movie, but like 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 you're about to talk about more about that, I, I, I liked it. I liked the length, I liked everything about it, so... Well, I'm not going to say I hated this movie, because I didn't. There are a lot of great parts, but honestly, in my opinion, you can cut an entire hour out of this movie, and you're not going to lose anything. 
at least an hour. I yes, yes, you could do that. You you wouldn't lose anything. But I liked a lot of the just kind of random things and 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 uh, some of the dialogue with some of the characters that are completely not necessary. Right, and some of the dialogue and some of the scenes are really well done. They really hit hard. I will try not to do specifics. Uh, there's a couple scenes with Leonardo DiCaprio and a young actress. Really, really love that scene. Just about every single scene where Brad Pitt and DiCaprio are together, fantastic. I mean, they're great on their own in this movie, of course. But when they're together, it was another level. And that's one of my complaints about this movie. I would have liked to seen more of that. I really would have. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You're right. Because a lot of it is them kind of on their own doing their own things because they kind of have other stuff to do. But yeah. Well, it's fine. I mean, I'm okay with that. It advances the story, especially certain things that they're doing. And But I just would have liked to have seen more of them together because when are we ever going to see that again? Especially in a Quentin Tarantino movie about movies from the 60s. I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to dive into this right away, Matt, but I guess I'm going to ask you anyway. What did you think about um, Margot Robbie's character, Sharon Tate, and some of the stuff that was in the movie for that? That's exactly what I was going to go into next if you wouldn't have brought it up. Seriously, I was just rolling. I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about Margot Robbie now. I feel like she got robbed. She did a good job, but the scenes she did did not help the story, did not take away from the story. They were just kind of there. I think she should have been in the film more. A handful of the scenes she did were blah. One scene in particular in the movie theater, the whole movie theater scene is incredible. For those of you, well, I guess maybe I'll save this. I'll save this till later. I will, I will, I'll, we'll talk about it in the spoilers. I, it's kind of a spoiler, I guess. But anyways, I just think she should have been used more. There should have been more about Sharon Tate because everybody knows the history of what this film is based on is the Manson family murders. And Sharon Tate was one of the ones that was taken out, you know, hor- horrifically. And I think he could have done more for her as kind of like a homage or a, you know, a li- uh, a movie based kind of tribute in a way. I would have liked to have seen more of that. So I, she did not do bad. She did great. Margot Robbie just did fantastic, but there was not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I questioned some of the reasons why she had some scenes like, I don't know. I guess they were just trying to show a day in the life of Sharon Tate before the stuff happened. Uh, you know, after she's starting to kind of, you know, become more and more famous. I don't know. But I mean, dude, okay, think about it. She, she was married to Roman Polanski. And you know all the controversy that's surrounding that guy, especially modern in the past, you know, five, ten years. Yeah, He was hardly in the my, film, too. Yeah, my understanding is he's... 
Isn't he banned from the United States? If he comes back, he'll get arrested? Yeah, I don't know if that's much banned, but he's in trouble if he comes back because things he did with young women, supposedly. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Banned is... Uh, what? What is it? Uh, maybe he has a warrant out for his arrest or something? Yeah, basically. So- something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he's in a country that doesn't extradite. Right. He doesn't. Uh, I don't know if he's in a country that doesn't extradite, but the country that he's in is not willing to extradite him either. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that. But, I mean, you know, this is a, a really big film with a lot of big names, with a lot of big actors. I mean, you got to cut somewhere, but not Sharon Tate, man. Not when that's what this movie is based around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked a lot of the scenes with um, Leonardo DiCaprio, like before he was like doing his 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 uh, in movie acting stuff. <laughs> which is a whole nother trippy thing. Like he's an actor who's playing an actor. Yeah. yeah it's- uh, <laughs> who has to act like, oh, anyway. What's the, but- what's the term that the young kids use, Mike? That's very meta. Meta, right? Meta. <laughs> Me- yeah. Meta, I think is what they say. <laughs> nice, man. You just dated, dated yourself hey, there. You know, that hurts, but yes. I dated both of us because we're both relatively the same age. So it is very uh, meta. Even though when I think of meta, I think of meta tags on a website. <laughs> I think of metadata just on, right. on file structures. That too. Anyway, but that's, that's, that's dumb. Um, so, I don't know. I, I liked a lot of like uh, Brad Pitt's uh, character. I really liked um, just... He's his friendship uh, with, uh, you know, Rick Dalton, Leonardo's, uh, DiCaprio's character. It was, I wish there was a little bit more exposition about what happened with his wife. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, but uh, it just, it, it leaves it questionable. And that's kind of cool, too. But, but I, 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 it was like a diving thing and like a diving trip so i would have kind of liked to see some of that diving gear and stuff because i'm i do diving things you're, but uh you're a swimming you, I bar- yeah i barely saw too much gear but i mean it looked like it was accurate for the time but it it, it was just really quick um so i would have liked to and then there's there's some stuff about brad pitt's character supposedly a war hero and we see some tattoos He's got tons of scars, but I feel like that's stuntman work. And then we don't get much explanation. That's fine, but I liked his character quite a bit. I, I like both of their characters. The what, Matt, what did you think of the, um, I guess, the, the hippie element stuff without getting away too much? Well, dude, it was the 60s, man. It was what it was. But it was funny how it was always kind of there and present in the present in most conversations in some way, shape, or form. Like even uh, Rick Dalton, Leo's character, even yells at some hippies like at one point when they're driving around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's It was interesting. It seemed like they were like frowned upon, I guess, by the Hollywood 
people, or at least Rick Dalton's character and some other people. Yeah, I don't know if it was so much everyone in Hollywood, but so all right, I I don't want to type this in because uh, I'm going to make noise, but I'm just going to say it because I know a little bit off the top of my head. Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, uh, Leo's character and Brad Pitt's character is loosely based on Burt Reynolds and his stuntman. Because Burt Reynolds and his stuntman were best friends. And they did a lot of these things and it would have been a very similar time period not quite but similar for when burt reynolds was big and all that stuff so it's very loosely based on them and his okay yeah and his stuntman was basically almost the embodiment of what brad pitt showed on screen he was just a bad ass and nobody messed with him yeah i'll talk about it more in spoilers but there's a scene that was really uh fun that that happened and I think a lot of it was given away in the trailer, which is disappointing, but still it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'll come out and say it. The Brad Pitt's character of Cliff Booth was my favorite in the film. I just, I loved him. I thought it was great. Yeah. He just had this, uh, I don't know, uh, charisma about him. It was cool. It was really cool. All right, Mike. So let's keep this guy rolling. Would you recommend people go and spend their hard-earned money to see this in the theater? I would, absolutely. Uh, I loved it. It's it's Quentin Tarantino. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. So what that means is uh, interesting dialogue, uh, some instances of violence, uh, perhaps a little bit gory at times, and... Uh, just an interesting story. I mean, I know it's kind of like kind of real. Kind. Of, I mean, obviously these two characters, this is a fictional movie, but it's kind of real-ish because these are things that were happening at the time, during the times, uh, with some aspects of stuff. I, I wondered, since it's set in 1969, if they were going to have anything about the um, uh, lunar landing, but they didn't. Yeah, I would uh, I would recommend seeing this in the theater, Matt. What do you think? I know it's long. I will say it depends. If you're a Quentin Tarantino fan or you're a big-time movie fan, I'd say it's worth a watch in the theater just for the experience because it is Quentin Tarantino. It's shot beautifully. The aesthetics are amazing. The color palette is incredible. His use of cinematography is always, always interesting and fun and creative. He's obsessed with cars. That was really awesome to see. He, you know, it's almost like since, um, God, well, no, I mean, even Reservoir Dogs had scenes in cars and stuff. I mean, he really loves his cars and they're, they play he plays all kinds of homages to different vehicles in this. Just you very unique, beautiful cars. So that's cool. But if you're not, like, I don't want to get into it quite yet, but my sister and my brother-in-law went and saw this on Saturday night. And they got up an hour and a half into it and left. What? They walked out. Sure, my brother-in-law did not want to. 
but he felt obligated to stay. I mean, to obligated to go because she wanted to leave. According to her, she was bored out of her mind. Wow. Damn, are you opening another beer? I am. <laughs> We're going to have to get you a bottle so it's quieter. <laughs> Just mess with you, Mike. Perhaps. So I was shocked that my sister and my brother-in-law got up and walked out. I was, honestly, I was shocked. And, you know, we got into a little bit, I didn't get in an argument, but I was just pointing out to her that if you voluntarily, even on weekends, get up at 4 o'clock or 4.30 in the morning, and you go to any three-hour-long movie that starts at 9 o'clock, you're going to fall asleep during it because you're usually in bed by nine o'clock. So whose fault was it really? Was it the movie's fault or was it the pure and simple fact that you went to a late night movie when you get up at four o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I don't know, man. As someone who also gets up in the 4 a.m.s often, uh, 9, 9.30, man, I'm like out. I'm like, I'm falling asleep. I'm just... I'm tired, like, I need to, if if I'm doing anything, I need to stop, and I need to go to bed. Right. And what time does Mike Talent, who likes movies above just about any other medium in this world, go and watch movies? I tend to watch them in the mornings. I like going in the mornings uh, for two reasons. Uh, It's cheaper. And uh, it's less crowded most of the time, minus pretty much MCU movies, because I don't like to see it with a bunch of people talking or or doing whatever they do when they're watching movies. Most of the people in the morning, if there's anybody in the theater, they're older and they just want to watch the movie. And that's exactly where I'm at. And you're also wide awake, paying attention to the entire film as well. I am a night person. I typically go to bed between midnight and one o'clock in the morning, typically, even on a school night. So when I go see movies, I like to go in the evening because that's typically when I'm most attentive and when I'm paying attention. Sometimes I'll even go to the latest show just to avoid the experiences that I had when I went and saw this movie. I did not go to the latest show for this movie because how long it was. I went to the eight o'clock show. On a Thursday, thinking, oh, sure, there'll probably be enough people in there. But my showing was sold out. And the people next to me, I applaud them in a way. And they annoyed me in a way. But the older couple, probably in their 60s, maybe in their 70s, snuck in a handful of flasks, bought a Coke, and they were getting shit-faced. (laughs) watching this movie (laughs) which was great but the problem is is the longer the movie went the louder they got in talking to each other (laughs) so and they probably had a lot of bathroom breaks man yes i had to keep moving my legs quite a bit yeah but it was uh i applaud them because they snuck in some flats and were getting wasted but it also kind of annoyed me but it was cool i was all right with it i dealt with it you know so anyways all right 
I'll get back on topic, but I was just pointing out that if you want to objectively look at a film or enjoy a film, you probably shouldn't go when you typically should be asleep. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense, man. Like, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I don't want to do is go and try and watch a movie because I'm not going to be awake until I at least have a cup of coffee in me and have some breakfast. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyways, all right, Mike. Well, I know it's an easy one, but that's fine. Every now and then, you need an easy one. Mr. Talent, how does Once Upon a Time in Hollywood relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Thanks for asking. And yes, uh, like we mentioned earlier, there's a million stars in this. So this wasn't hard to find somebody who who, uh, was in the MCU. And uh, the tie-in for this movie is uh, Mr. Kurt Russell, who's uh, Star-Lord's dad in Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. His character was Ego. The Living Planet. Yep, he is what is known as a Celestial. And we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. I would be surprised if we don't see him in one of the upcoming MCU projects, the Eternals, because the Celestials and the Eternals are related and tied to each other. So, oh, I forgot not to get too off topic again real quick, but I forgot to say, um, answer my own question. I think if you want to go see this in the theaters, it, you, if you like Quentin Tarantino, it's worth it. If you like Hollywood, especially old Hollywood, it's worth it. If you're just going to catch a movie and you're not a huge, huge fan of either and you just want to see a movie, I'd say wait until it comes out because um, this can roll into our next topic with spoilers, Mike. But uh, this is not my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. In fact, it's real close to being the very bottom for me. Oh, well, uh, speaking of favorite Quentin Tarantino movies, Matt, I'm going to ask you that question, but we're going to save that towards the oh, end of the podcast. you want to wait for the end. Okay. I was trying to lead you yeah. into that, but okay. So I just, I would say if you're a Tarantino fan or you're a film fan or you're a Hollywood fan, go experience it. It's beautiful. Everything's great. That that aspect, the movie does get very long. In my opinion, it's boring in certain parts. It's a bit much. The ending is incredible, but it's not a must-see if you're not a QT fan or a film fan. So, how's that? All right. Yeah. All right. Now let's spoil it. Mike, go ahead. You're itching. I could tell. I've been talking way too much. Your turn. Let's go. All right, uh, Matt. So, what do you think about um, the tie-in with the uh, the hippie camp and all the stuff with which we it ties in greater to the movie? But I don't know if we should give it all away. But what what did you think about those scenes? I thought some of that stuff was kind of. I mean, it's strange on purpose, and it's supposed to be strange. Are you, are you talking about when you went to Spawn Ranch? Yes. That is historical, though. And that was one of my favorite scenes of the film. Because that is where the Manson family was set up. That is what they did 
um, that the George, the guy that owns the place, he really was going blind and he really did allow the Manson family to stay on his ranch and help him earn what little money he could and do chores around the ranch by having the horse, you know, um, tours and trail riding and all that stuff and horse rentals and all that. So I liked that. I liked that it was in the film. I thought it was great. I liked the confrontation between Brad Pitt's character and that weird dude. I was just waiting for, you know, Cliff Booth to beat the living shit out of someone. I liked it. I thought it was great. That's one of the scenes that I think definitely needs to be in that movie. Okay. All right. Um, and then I was going to ask about, so do you enjoy all the Brad Pitt driving scenes? I, I thought they were pretty cool. Like when he's cruising around in the Cadillac or in his um, little, I don't even know what that was. Is that an Italian car? The little I think it was a convertible Volkswagen, thing. actually. Is it, is, is it Volkswagen? I'm, I'm not even I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure on the model, but I think it's one of those Volkswagens. It's those little convertibles they made for a while. I loved that scene when he's racing around in his piece and he just... He's driving like a stuntman. He doesn't care. He's weaving in and out the traffic. You know, he's whipping around corners at 80 miles an hour. I love that scene. I thought that was awesome. It gets a little lengthy. They could have cut it down a little bit. But, I mean, if you pay attention to the background, it's gorgeous. It You know, the neon lights. Oh, yeah. It's, oh. Oh, yeah. No, the, the attention to detail of all the, like, the setting and stuff, I can't even imagine. Like, I'm pretty sure all that was post-production, and it was awesome. But still, so it was good. Whoever did that was really good, yeah. yeah. The candy scenes, a couple of those are really good, but... They get, again, they get a little lengthy at times, you know, just him driving around in there. When he stops and he's waving to the hippie chick and saying, no, no, I'm not going that way, I'm going this way and all that. Then, you know, it, it clearly has a point to why he's rolling around in the caddy and seeing her and all that stuff, clearly, because that's what leads him going to the Spawn Ranch and everything. But um, it's still a little lengthy at times. But I, I didn't hate him. I, I liked, I mean, Tarantino really, I mean all the different ways he has shot a car, you would think he would just get stuck doing like one thing over and over again. I mean, think about it. He killed Bill, how he shot cars in that reservoir dogs, how he shot cars in that death proof, how he shot cars in that. I mean, he hardly ever sure. He copies some shots, but he's not consistently shooting it the same way in every single movie. It's always different. I love it. I love it. And then I was going to ask you about, what did you think about uh Brad Pitt scene with uh, Bruce Lee? That was unique. The guy that they got to play Bruce Lee, it, of course, exaggerated, but he nailed it. He did great. And I, I loved when he just threw him into the car and <laughs> just banged up that gorgeous Lincoln Continental, man. Oh, I know. It was a Lincoln Continental. I was like, oh. Yeah. I was like, oh. It hurt. I, it hurt. It hurt me on the inside, but I I enjoyed the scene quite a bit, even though a lot of the scene was in the trailer. That was my somewhat complaint. Yeah, and but it does, you know, that's one of those scenes where it's kind of like it doesn't make sense why it's in the film, but it does because it's character building for uh, Brad Pitt's character that he challenged, you know, Bruce Lee without even batting an eye, a guy that clearly is known for beating the living hell out of a lot of people. Yeah, and it also led into why he wasn't going to be able to get some work on the the current uh um you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's 
uh, film. Yeah, the the western. Yeah. Well, they were all westerns, but the most recent western. Yeah, his most uh, for Rick Dalton's movie because he's like, hey, it's it's going to be this guy who's gaffing it or whatever, and he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. and then he has like this flashback, and you're like, all right, <laughs> it, it, you know, I liked it. I mean, that's another. That's one of those really good scenes. The the scenes that I would have liked to have seen cut out, trimmed down, whatever, and we alluded to it earlier. Not that I'm going to do all the talking. I hopefully you will do a bit more, Mike. But um, a lot of the scenes of him just acting. I mean, okay, fine. Have one scene where he does the complete scene that's 15 or 20 minutes long like an actor would. Like, for instance, the one where he's in the Old West bar and he you know, is asking for his line and he spits out the drink and all that stuff. Well, that was all in the trailer, too. Like that was great. Like have that in there. It was yeah. The line, line, please. Yeah, no, that part was well, great. Well, that whole scene, that whole scene was fantastic. You know, all the way into the young actress part and all that stuff. Have all that in there, but do it once. Tarantino did that like two or three times. It's like it just got it got lengthy and boring, and just just do it once. You know, and then yeah. you see the reaction of him in the trailer beating himself up. And then he comes back out, shoots the next scene, and kills it. And the young actress even goes up and whispers in his ear that it's the best acting she's ever seen. Granted, she's eight, but still, that was yeah, very no, great it, scene, it, very it moving. It touched him, yeah. Yeah, I, I loved uh, the trailer scene um, when he's, uh, after that scene where he asked for all the lines and he was like berating himself. I love that. And then there was, a, there was some cool shots that Tarantino did where... Leo's facing away from the camera, but he ends up looking at the mirror and the camera's framed in on the mirror. And so he's like talking to you that way. I love that. I thought that was awesome. That whole thing from, from the beginning of them being in the bar, you know, him having that whole thing to the scene in the trailer, which is my second favorite scene of the, well, maybe my, yeah, second favorite scene of the entire film was him beating himself up. You could tell, I mean, he was hitting another level there. He was just, wow. It was really good. I liked that a lot. Then to him coming back out with the next scene, from there, from kind of that point on, I really, really liked the whole movie. But up to that point, it was a drag. It was a big drag. But it took us an hour, hour and a half to get to that point. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of it's just building and stuff, and you're you're right. After that, it does kind of get going, and there's a lot more to kind of everything that's going on, and um, the the ending was fantastic in my mind. I loved the uh, it kind of the ending kind of has two parts, I guess. There's the house scene, Matt. You know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was just letting you finish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the house scene, and then there's the right after the house scene, what transpires. I love both of those parts, because in my mind, that is Hollywood. I just, I, I know you're trying not to spoil the ending, because the ending is be, be, is, ugh, is very huge in this film. Especially how, what he did and what he chose to do and how to do it. Very Inglorious Bastards-like. Not just in the ending, but how what 
transpires in the ending, how certain people are taken out, the way they're taking out, the goriness of it. That's the quintessential, you know, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I see where, like, oh, that was a bad yeah, choice of words. Yeah, it was a word. horrible choice of words, but <laughs> it was kind of funny. But it was, like, that whole ending. I mean... Yeah, like, I, I know this is the spoiler section, but I don't want to spoil that part, because I, I really, really enjoyed that part. Now, Matt, even though, you, you, you like you said, the movie's kind of slow, did you... Did you enjoy enjoy the ending? Oh yeah, of course. I loved it. I loved it. That was my favorite. My favorite part of the entire film is the ending. It, it's just from the part where they're at the house. We'll just go with at the house to the part where it ends. Loved it. I mean, maybe even before they get to the house, like the scenes where they're doing. Um, Tarantino's kind of doing. Well, and then Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton were at this other Mexican restaurant getting shit faced, kind of thing. Like, and they you have the narration. Oh yeah, yeah, with the, Kurt Russell the narration right. stuff. Yeah, like, kind of even from the start of that, you know, from them going out for the night, getting drunk, doing their different things, the two different storylines going on at once. He's really not telling you what's going on, which way he's going. Everybody has in their mind what they know historically happened, and then he turns it on his head. And I loved that. I loved it. I thought from that point on, that was probably my favorite scene of the entire film or part of the film. Not scene because there's many scenes. Definitely. By far. Second one is that one where he's in the trailer. Okay. Um, I also liked, I mean, it, it, it's 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 a little scene and I would have liked to see a little bit more. But when uh, Cliff Booth went back to his uh, house or, or trailer that's behind a drive-in movie theater. I thought that was awesome, and he has this great dog, and I just thought it was really neat. Well, it was a fascinating dichotomy or comparison. You have the main guy, Rick Dalton, his lavish lifestyle, his big Cadillac, his incredible house with a pool overlooking you know, the valley, everything, to a stuntman who literally puts his life on the line when he's working goes to not even like a full-on mobile home like it's a straight-up travel trailer falling apart piece of shit you know the his shitty little convertible that he drives like a bat out of hell i mean that subconscious kind of showing the two sides of hollywood was pretty fascinating i liked it yeah i thought it was cool you can tell that he loves movies so much by what he put into this movie and all the different things it's incredible. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino is extremely, extremely passionate about movies, all movies. But I think especially the golden era of Hollywood, or what people refer to as the golden era of Hollywood, especially. Because I'm sure that's probably the films that he grew up watching. Yeah, I, I believe I believe it is, yeah. Well, all right, Mike, What um, what else do you want to get into here? Because I know you have a couple topics you want to get into. So I'll let you go with your next one. I think, Matt, we should probably do our ratings here. And then I'm going to ask you about Quentin Tarantino movies. So that'll be separate besides our ratings for this. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you, how many reels do you give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Okay, it's still Quentin Tarantino. I've said how much I love him. Especially directing-wise, shooting-wise, stuff like that. 
But again, this was not not my favorite QT film whatsoever. But I'm not going to sit here and tear it apart either because there's a lot of things I really did like, as we've discussed in the past 40 or so minutes. I give it three out of five reels. I think it's just an average film. All right. That's fair, man. That's that's very fair. Mike, what about so, you? Uh, um, for reasons that are unknown to me, I just really liked all the kind of slower parts and all the just kind of going around in Hollywood and I, I, you know, character building and different things. And I, I, I don't know. I just liked all that stuff. So, uh, I'm going to give this one four out of five reels. And maybe it was just the mood I was in. I I don't know. I just really like that stuff. Well, all right. I figured it was going to be higher than me. I'm kind of disappointed. It wasn't a five because I sure you would have given it a five. No, man. You know, I don't give out fives. Those are like, those are unicorns, man. <laughs> they don't exist. Uh, are they the uh, rainbow pooping unicorns? Yeah. The only one you can get is, you know, it, it Jaws. Boom. Like Shawshank Redemption. Boom. Well, and did you want to talk about Jaws, Mike? Uh, no. Well, no. So you're getting me off topic. I did kind of because the Shark Week is starting, uh, in, depending on when you're watching this podcast, Shark Week starts Sunday, uh, July 28th, and goes through, uh, I think, August 3rd, August 4th, uh, 2019, and I love Shark Week, and we were going to talk about Jaws a little bit, but instead, I'm just going to ask you about Matt. I am going to read you the... 10 Quentin Tarantino movies and I want you to rate your top the top three and you can just just rate them you don't have to say why oh like rate them like and reels I, no no oh. no just, which one no, is my no, favorite no, not, not, second favorite third yeah favorite? yeah right. like just put them in order yeah put them in order so one through three uh, your favorite to your least favorite I'll read the, the top ten and then I'll tell you mine as well after um, and uh, I'm just going to read them in no particular order so, we have the, the, the ten movies are The Hateful Eight, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Inglorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, Django Unchained, and Death Proof. Dude, it's so hard because there, I love a large, large majority of these films. I'm not a super huge fan of Jackie Brown, which is this film is being compared to that quite a bit because it's the same kind of feel. But uh, Death Proof was, again, not one of my favorites. I thought it was an interesting story, but it was just kind of blah. You know, it wasn't anything earth shattering like the majority of the rest of his work. So, uh, man, I, I. I have a lot of just ties and kind of toss-ups, but I'm going to try and just keep it to three. Yeah, I know. Just top three. I know it's hard. That, that's why I'm asking it, dude. I know. It's hard, it's hard, man. I, it was hard for me. I would say, and I'm pretty sure that my top three, you could probably change them out their order, but I would go, uh, I love Inglorious Bastards. Like, that's probably my favorite. I just, I absolutely love that movie. It's so much fun. Then I'd probably go 
Pulp Fiction. And then... Uh, let's go to Reservoir Dogs. All right, so number three is Reservoir Dogs, number two is Pulp Fiction, and number one is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I really like Django Unchained. That was an amazing movie. I really like Kill Bill. I really like The Hateful Eight, but yeah, I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs just because it was so just groundbreaking. I mean, it was his first film, just incredible. All right, fine. What are your top three? <laughs> All right, so unfortunately, we are very similar in this, uh, Matt. So, uh, Jeez, my number three, my number three is uh, Reservoir Dogs. My number two is Inglorious Bastards, and my number one is Pulp Fiction. Wow, yeah, see, but like I said, I honestly, all three of those, I could change them in any order. I mean, I just, Pulp Fiction, all three of those movies are on the same level for me. They're just incredible films. No, no, they are. Amazing. (sighs) Well, um... So we've we've blown over way way past our normal podcast. So um, I don't know what we're going to be reviewing next week, Matt. It's Quentin Tarantino, but... man. It's what it is. You know, it's we're going to talk about him a lot. It's just he's one of the best directors of our time. He he is. I'm sorry, he just is. Yeah. No, you're you're right. He is. Well, let's take a look. Let me see what's coming soon. Oh, oh yes, yes. Calvin and Hobbes is coming. I mean, uh, Hobbes. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Hobbes, or wait, wait, wait. Let me get this correct, people. Fast and Furious presents Hobbes and Shaw is coming out, and I want to watch it because I know it's going to be awful. But I think it's going to be such a popcorn, like, just crazy action bonanza. And, like, The Rock and Jason Statham, I got to see it. I got to go see it. I, You know, this is going to be hard for me. But if you want to see it, we'll go. Because you know I have not seen a Fast and Furious movie since Tokyo Drift. Oh, man, that was a terrible one to stop well, at. Well, it was the um, sec- third one. Third one. Second one. Well, what was the third one? I think one? that's the second no, one. No, I thought it was the I third the one because I saw the Fast and Furious, the normal one. Then the second one was the one without uh, Vin Diesel. Yeah, right? I think that's no, the Tokyo no, Drift. No, 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 no. That's the one with um, Paul Walker and um, Tyrese. Oh, oh uh, isn't that I the don't second know, man. one? All right, all right. And then all, it went Tokyo all right, Drift. All right. Doesn't matter, Matt. And and with any Fast and Furious movie, Matt, you don't need to know the character's name. You just need to know action is awesome. Okay, so I don't need to have watched the last like. The formula 12. is action is awesome. If you like action, you can watch the movie. You don't need to know the characters. All right. Well, if you want to go see it, I'll go see it. But like I said, I'm crazy super behind on this freaking series of movies, and I don't know if I necessarily want to watch them. Like I've never seen. A Fast and Furious movie with The Rock in it. Ever. I have no idea what his character is. I have no idea what he does. Nothing. It doesn't matter. Action is awesome. All right. All right. right, Fine. Well, I was hoping or pushing to do um, a uh, uh, tributary. Netflix tributary. 
Oh, which uh, which movie would you like well, you to remember, watch? I sent it to you. I'm forgetting the name of it now. Great. Now I'm going to have to scroll oh, back. Yeah. Oh, 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 dang it. It's um, a, a South Korea movie that looks like it's nothing but pure action as well. And it has an interesting premise. They're... Oh, Revenger? Revenger. Right. There we go. I just found it. I finally got to the scroll. Revenger is about this guy. They have this island where they stick all their criminals. And it's about this guy that purposely gets caught or arrested or does something wrong to get put on the island so he couldn't go there and just basically uh, destroy a bunch of these criminals. Oh, that sounds awesome. Actually, yeah. So It looks pretty good. But... Maybe we'll try and squeeze that in with Hobbs and Shaw. The well, well, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, or it's like I like to call Calvin and Hobbs. Calvin and Hobbs. All right, all right. Well, in the other one, I have not gotten a reply email yet, but we very well possibly might have our third and fourth screeners of all time. I haven't gotten any reply emails with the films to review but if we do i'm not going to disclose what the films are unless you know they want us to review them and then we will but uh that's a possibility we might have two more coming up in the near future so we'll see we'll see awesome 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 man so i think with all that everyone thank you for 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 listening through this and uh, you know we we just we're we're huge film nerds and we love Quentin Tarantino and uh, hopefully you listen to the whole thing. Oh, I got it! I so, got it! Thanks. I got it, Mike! I got it! Oh, what? Well, I just what? thought of it. Why not leave us a voicemail at six zero two five five one six three eight nine and tell us what your top three Quentin Tarantino movies are. Oh, dude, that's great! Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, if somebody does that, maybe we'll, we'll include it in the the pod. Oh, dude, you know what? I'll even ask it in our uh, our um, uh, fan group. I'll put that question up in our fan group too. That'll be fun. All right, yeah. So that that's cool. So I think with all that rambling, I know it was a lot. I'm sorry, we are man. Gonna, we're both, but it's it's Pete Tizzle, gonna- man. He's the he's the man. Yeah, we we are going to let you guys go, and thank you for listening to our pod, and uh, make sure to tell all your friends, and uh, we'll catch you on the next pod. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.